Hello, I'm Arafat. I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for a very special episode. We've got loads and loads of guests from all over the world because Formula One is a truly global championship, and we're bringing you a truly global podcast this week. I want to start today's podcast by sending my congratulations to the first ever Dutch FIA Motorsport Champion of the World. That's right, Nick De Vries, Formula E Woo! Champion. Yes! What a guy. <laughs> but yeah, did I did I tell you I met him? Did you Nick De Vries? He's like sixteen. How did you meet him? Yeah, it was years ago. I was at the McLaren Technology Center. I was sat with Dr. Hintzer, who was the team doctor for McLaren at the time, and I think Nick was eleven or twelve years old. And I think he had a bit of a cold or something. So they brought him to us in the doctor's office or whatever to have a quick checkup on him. Uh, and I just remember he was, he was really, really polite. That That's all I remember. But I, I've sort of half followed his career because, you know, people talk about, oh, I, I saw Lewis when he was a kid. Yeah, and yeah, 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 he grew yeah. up to be a Formula One champion. So I sort of wondered if I'd have that with Nick DeVries. But maybe his career hasn't gone how he wanted, but still a huge, huge achievement to win the Formula E championship. But back to the Formula One. Yeah, this year the F1 has ended with more division, anger, controversy and drama than Formula E could ever dream of. So many people are elated or devastated and with emotions running so high, today we try to answer the question, is it more than just a race? We have interviews with new fans, old fans, non-Formula 1 fans and try to understand the deep and diverse responses to this year's World Championship. Before we get into the episode, we just want to play a small clip for you. We asked some friends of the pod and previous guests to try and share their thoughts on the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. This is what they had to say. My opinion is that the race was a farce and it really hurt my feelings and Lewis deserves better. Not, not a huge fan of Verstappen or Hamilton in particular, um, but I've just been really enjoying the competition this season and uh, the fact that we've had some close racing but wasn't very impressed with, with how it finished. Um, just leaves a sour taste um, in the mouth, really, and feels like it was, was pretty unauthentic. In my view, Christian Horner should be blamed equally, along with Massey, because it was Christian Horner who controlled and bullied Massey to making this decision. It's a shame that Red Bull and FIA are celebrating the win, which they should be condemning it. Instead, they are celebrating. Now I know why taking knee is the way it is in F1. It was extremely disappointing. Just felt orchestrated. I think, you know, Verstappen is great. And in some ways, he did deserve to be champion, but not winning that race, though. Hamilton definitely deserved to win that race and therefore should have been champion. It was really sad to watch the season finale, not just because Lewis lost, because, but because of the way in which he lost. Lewis deserved to win that race, and he's, he'd always said that he, were, he was going to win the championship on the track by showing that he was a better driver. But on that day, he was the better driver. Think about it this way. Thousands of years from now, nobody will know who you are, and nobody will care. Everything that happens now will be like as if it never happened ever. And people won't give a about who Max Verstappen was. 
So just a sample there of some of the feelings people have. And while I guess we didn't represent it, there will be millions out there who love the result. The last voice you heard there was friend of the pod, Asher, who says it doesn't matter. It's just some entertainment. Why does it even matter? It's just a sport, right? Yeah, before we answer that, let's try to break down the race and quickly (laughs) recap what happened. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know because, okay, we have two types of listeners, right? We have those that are new to the sport and those that are like seasoned experts who have been watching for a long time. So we'll try to recap it in a way that our new fans can kind of understand what was going on. So the race started with Max Verstappen on pole position and Lewis Hamilton in second. Max started on the soft tire and Lewis started on the medium. And all of a sudden, and, and to begin with, this was supposed to be a huge Max advantage because the soft is fast, but it fades the quickest. Um, and the heart is slow, but it lasts longer. So everyone thought Max would have an amazing start because he's got the best tires for a start. And realistically, the best strategy was probably to start on the medium tire like Lewis. Uh, but Max had damaged his medium tires the day before in qualifying. So he had to start on the soft. Being on the soft tires, Max should have been better. But miraculously, I mean, I couldn't, my jaw dropped. Lewis's start, my jaw literally dropped. And he shoots past Max, and Max really has no answer for him, and already Lewis is in the lead. By the time Max pits, Lewis is also able to pit, and he doesn't lose too much time. At one point, Red Bull get their other car uh, by Sergio Perez to stay out longer and try to reel in Lewis so that Max can overtake him, which is sort of what he did in 2016. And it added a bit of drama, and it helped Max catch up to Lewis, but ultimately Lewis had things under control, and he was able to build a lead back up. But then five laps before the end of the race, Nicholas Latifi in the Williams crashes into the barrier. His car had blocked half the track, so they had to take out a safety car, which essentially neutralizes the race because everyone gets uh, bunched up together. So Max Verstappen and Red Bull, they already know they're not going to win. They've tried so many different tactics to get an edge throughout the race. They say, you know what, let's try another one. They changed their tires for brand new soft tires. Mercedes doesn't take the same risk because they're in the lead and it looks like the safety car is going to end up taking the entire time left of the race. There's only five laps. Safety cars, you know, when you have to clear a track like that, it usually takes time. So they don't end up changing their tires. What followed next was, I think the only word you can say is unprecedented. This is from Andrew Benson in his BBC report. He said, Race director Michael Massey initially said lapped cars would not be allowed to overtake, which would have left five cars between Hamilton and Verstappen for the one lap of racing that it looked like would be left. That's against normal protocol, so Red Bull complained. Massey changed his mind and let those five cars overtake, but not the other three cars. This put Verstappen and Hamilton together, but left two lap cars between third place Carlos Sainz's Ferrari and Verstappen, and one between Valtteri Bottas's Mercedes and Yuki Tsunoda's Alfatori. This is also against protocol, so Mercedes complained to no avail. The race was restarted with one lap to go, and the inevitable happened. Verstappen had so much extra grip, passed Hamilton into turn five. Hamilton tried to get him back down the subsequent straight, but he was never going to. The world championship had changed hands as a result of a questionable call the race director it's painful for me to even read that there's a lot to dissect here about right and wrong fair and unfair but it was baffling to watch on tv 
I couldn't sit down and I'd never seen anything like it. But could you imagine what it would have been like to be there in person? Well, one person who doesn't have to imagine is our next guest who attended the race. I was able to chat with him earlier this week and this is what he had to say. Hi, my name's Kiha and um, I was at the race in Abu Dhabi. Uh, quite an exciting one, I think, for this year. I'm a Hamilton fan, so unfortunate result, but I think overall great experience. Is this the first time you've been to a Formula One race? No, so I've been to two others. One was, uh, I think, 2006, Indianapolis, and then the other was 2018 uh, in Spain, so Barcelona. As a fan, what what was the atmosphere like at the race? So I think the atmosphere was was electric. It was great to see so many, I suppose, non-F1 fans in a, in a way attending. I think a lot of people have watched Drive to Survive or just heard about the championship battle and decided to come up and see what it was about. So I think there was lots of new energy at the racetrack, which was which was great to see. I was I was very lucky um, in that I was in some of the kind of team boxes for for the weekend. So. We had race oh, engineers explaining, you know, the whole process and what was going on. And uh, I think we got a lot of inside info in that sense. And I suppose the key talking point is always going to be the end of the race. You said you were with race engineers and getting inside info. What was their feeling on what was going on? I think, honestly, there was just a lot of panic and confusion for yeah. the last few laps, at least. Um, initially, the thought was, okay, so it looks like we can end under safety car. Not a great end to the season and not a great end to the actual race, but uh, from a Mercedes point of view, at least that secures secures a win. Then I think very late calls in terms of uh, first letting unlapped cars through and then letting only some unlapped cars through and then um, a very quick uh, safety car withdrawal, if you will, which yeah. caught everybody off guard. And that was, I think, just it honestly caused a lot of confusion. Uh, there's there's quite a long delay between your your television feed, which was actually playing in, in some of the lounges, and what's happening on the racetrack. So we actually saw the unlapped cars come through a little bit before they announced they were letting themselves unlap themselves, which everybody sort of got a hint at that point that Ooh, this doesn't look good. And then yeah. you just see Max absolutely hounding Hamilton, which is a warning bell. And I was actually then, I was standing at turn five. So at the hip and down at the bottom, when Max actually overtook Hamilton and surrounded by Red Bull fans, it was, uh, it was not a pretty sight. <laughs> As a fan of the sport, what, what do you make of what's happened? I think, honestly, from an overall sport perspective, it's great to have some change. I'm taking my Hamilton hat off for a second. It's great to have some change. It's great to have a new champion. And I think everybody is on the same page in that they both equally deserve to win, right? The Mm. fact that on the last lap, one of the competitors was given a a task of, you're on new soft tires. You need to overtake someone who's on 40 lap old hard tires. Go for it, right? If either of them win that position, they would have won. So... Mm. It's just a case of unlucky it ended that way. But I think yeah. it's caused a lot of new interest in the sport. It's given a whole new fan base, I think, the the chance to taste what victory feels like. And I think it sets us up for a very exciting 2022 and beyond, which is where a lot of rule changes are coming. The cars are going to be mm. very different. I actually saw what, 
what the 2022 car looks like in the in the flesh and it's it, it's going to be you know a completely different ball game um so it's going to be super interesting to see what happens in the first couple of races in about I don't know, 100 days time from now yeah it's really interesting to hear the perspective of somebody who was there and to see the confusion that even the people in the grandstands didn't know what was going on but um Let's try to break down some of this controversy and answer some questions we have from some of our newer fans of Formula One. So, like, you know, number one, should Lewis have given the position back on lap one? Number two, why did Max change his tires under the safety car, but not Lewis? This is like such an important one to answer because so many new fans don't understand what what, what happened here. And then number three. Why was it such a big deal that some cars were let through and not others? Again, a really important question because a lot of people say it didn't make a difference in the end where it did. And then the last question we really want to tackle, does Max deserve to win? There are so many new fans watching this race. Both championship contenders were heading into the last race with zero points separating them after an insanely crazy and close and difficult season. The only other time this has happened in history was like 1980, I think, Fittipaldi. Yeah. So we don't have uh, global figures at this time, but I know from the UK, there was something like 4.4 million viewers from Sky and Channel 4 watching, which is, you know, two, three times their normal viewership. But if we get into these questions, so number one, should Lewis have given his position back on lap one? I think this is a little bit controversial. Max came up the inside of him, pushed him off the track, and Lewis rejoined the track ahead of Max. I can understand why people say, you know, Lewis gained an advantage by going off the track. The official line from the stewards was any advantage that he gained by going off the track, he slowed down and gave back. There are people who think Max was wronged here because he made a legitimate move because he managed to stay inside the track. It wasn't like Brazil where he left the track as well. He stayed inside the lines. He just created a situation where his opponent had to go off or slow down. But interestingly, by being in second place, it may have accidentally been a blessing for Max. Because I think this comes back to our second question. Why did Max change his tires under the safety car, but not Hamilton? And I think it's always easier to react and take a gamble when you are the car that is chasing rather than the car that's at front. Let's say Lewis decides to pit when the safety car comes out. He goes in, gets brand new tires, and he comes out. Red Bull have seen that Lewis has pitted, so they would have left Max out. And Lewis falls into second place behind Max. The most realistic outcome is the safety car drives them all to the end of the race. And suddenly Lewis has just thrown away the world championship. So I think I 100% understand why Lewis did not pit again. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you're completely correct that when you are behind, you can make all the gambles you want. Um, as for that first lap incident, I think if Lewis had won, this that would have been the talking point of the entire race. That's all anyone would have been talking about. And I think it's hard because we expect consistency from the stewards, and we just don't know how they're going to act. We At any given point, we don't know what the stewards are going to say, and that creates the situation that we see at the end of the race as well. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's it's frustrating, I think. And I think this inconsistency from the stewards led us to our next question of why was it such a big deal that some cars were let through and not others? 
I think firstly, it's because we've never seen anything like this before. Secondly, by moving the cars that were in between Max and Lewis, Max was able to attack Lewis. But by not getting rid of the lapped cars that were behind Max, he, he had nothing to defend against, which felt a bit unfair. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing is, you know, the protocol wasn't followed. Those cars that were allowed to go through should have been able to, should have been told to join the back of the pack before the race restarted, which would have handed the victory to Lewis. Um, but that didn't happen. Yeah. So that's kind of the and other. They don't necessarily have to get all the way to the back. They just have to get out of the way. They can be five seconds down the road. But what the rules state is that the safety car will come back in the next lap after lapped cars have been told to get out of the way. The safety car comes in the next lap. But what we saw in this race, for whatever reason, the race director decided to do those things at the same time. And that brings us to our next point. Does Max deserve to win? This is so crazy because does he deserve to win the race? I think absolutely not. Does he deserve to win the season? That is so much more debatable because people are going to point at all of the statistics, how many races he's won, how many laps he's led, how many pole positions, etc., etc., and say that, you know, he deserved to win. But ultimately, a season is won over every single one of its races, not just the last race or just the first race or just the middle races. And I just think that, you know, Lewis had a phenomenal second half of the season where he really undid the mistakes he made in the first half of the season. And I I just cannot get myself to say Max deserved to win the entire championship just based on Lewis's performance in the second half of the season which I think was just incredible and should have won him the championship. There's a quote from Fernando Alonso where he says, if there was any year where they could have split the winner's trophy in two, it would have been this one. And I get where that's coming from. You know, like you said, Max won more races. He led so many more laps. And, you know, from his point of view in this race, the upset and the anguish comes from the stewarding decisions. Max himself did not do anything wrong. He yeah. found himself in a bizarre situation and made the most of it. And, you know, I think he'll admit he was very lucky with what happened in Abu Dhabi. But I don't think he feels it's unfair because he will point at moments where he was unlucky, losing 25 points in Baku because of a tyre puncture, uh, being taken out in Hungary by Valtteri Bottas through no fault of his own. At Silverstone, he'll argue that he was taken out by Hamilton. So... He will point at other moments where he feels his competitors got lucky uh, and he was unlucky. So I think he won't mind winning the championship on a, on a bit of luck in the last race. But what it reminds me of a lot is the 2012 season. A lot of people felt that year the better driver was Fernando Alonso. But the history books will always show that Vettel won the championship. And... You know, Alonso drove phenomenally that year in a car that had no right to win the championship. And you almost feel it's a shame for him. You're like, of course, Vettel won. He won more races. He did really well, blah, blah, blah. But you almost feel for the effort and the remarkable performance that Alonso put in that year, second place somehow, it doesn't, he deserves more. And that, that's what the situation we're in now. I I don't feel that Max doesn't deserve the championship, but somehow Lewis fil- finishing second, you feel Lewis deserved more for the way he drove, especially like you said in the second half. 
You know, like, there's a couple of things to unpack there. And I know we have a lot of clips to get to, so I'm not going to talk about this for too long. But when it comes to that year, 2012, Fernando lost because of a strategy decision. All of those unlucky times Verstappen can point to were all valid things that can happen in a race. What happened to Lewis was not a valid thing that can happen in a race. It was the rule book being rewritten in front of everybody in order to create some kind of spectacle and drama, which is completely unprecedented. It's never happened before in Formula One, nor should that ever happen. So it's someone else that also feels that the spectacle and the drama and what happened, like you said, the decision was made for the drama uh, was Juan Pablo Montoya. So, you know, who are me and you, random fans, but Montoya was one of uh, a hugely popular Formula One driver who, you know, you get the feeling he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And he said he feels the decision was made for the drama, for the fans. And he goes, you know, I can understand the bigger picture. You can have a whole new fan base in Netherlands, more TV viewership, more eyes on the screen next year about the whole rematch. So, you know, while Montoya agreed that he felt it was unfair, he says, I can understand why they did it. And it's not right in a sporting sense. But I spoke to a new fan of the sport earlier to find out, you know, what he thought of the race. And as a new fan, does this sort of thing put him off? Or is he keen to watch even more races? Hello, my name's Tom, and I am pretty much what you would call a chaotic neutral when it comes to F1. So I only got into the sport at the start of this year after being bored one day and deciding to watch Drive to Survive on Netflix, as a lot of people seem to have done recently. Before that, I was kind of into my cricket, into my golf, into my football, but never really clicked with F1 until I watched Drive to Survive and just found another level to it, really. I found the storylines absolutely fascinating. I found out more about the tactics and what goes on behind the scenes, and that really got me into it. So luckily, that was just at the start of the season, and I've been an avid fan all season long. Being so new to it, I have no allegiance to any of the teams, really. I just want to watch something exciting. And that's the way it's been all season long, really. I think being a neutral, I maybe have swayed a little bit more towards Verstappen in terms of the underdog and the newbie and probably cheering him more, a little bit more. But I still love Hamilton. I think what he's done for the sport is fantastic. And I think as a person, he's he's wonderful what he does at using his platform. So the race on Sunday, I thought was one of the most exciting things I've ever seen in my entire life. Hamilton was robbed. There is no doubt about that. But that final lap, when everyone realised that the safety car was going in and there was going to be one lap, I thought was the most exhilarating thing I'd ever seen in my life. Race control completely f***ed up. Um For me, it was as if everyone in race control was just sat there ripping lines of cocaine and one of them just went, f*** it, one lap, let's go. And that's what happened. So I feel like Hamilton was robbed a little bit, but for the sake of the sport and for the sake of F1 in general, I actually think it might not be a bad thing, especially with an international crowd. If we sort of take away the British slant of Mercedes and, and Hamilton, I actually think... If anything, it just makes it a little bit more exciting. It makes it a little bit fiery. And all the eyes of the world were on that race. And it ended up being one of the most exciting things in the world. So I don't think it is a bad thing for the sport. However, 
being new to it, it, I'd be completely naive to say that things don't need to change. I don't understand that side of things very much. I will leave that to you guys. But it sounds to me like there does need to be change at the top in order for the, the sport to be better. But from a neutral, absolutely unbelievable. So as Lewis fans, we heard a lot from people who are devastated and heartbroken. So many people complained of never wanting to watch races ever again. But there's clearly a whole group of people who are even more excited for 2022 because of all these shenanigans. Sometimes in boxing, the rematch is more anticipated than the original fight. Is this something like that, Mohammed? I don't think it's exactly the same because in a rematch, you know, the assumption is that the first person beat you fair and square. Now you have a chance to beat them fair and square. And I think a lot of Lewis fans don't feel that way. I think they feel that Lewis was robbed of this season. I think going in, we're all going to be looking for redemption uh, in the in the sense that he's going to win the championship he should have already won this year. And I think that's what people are really looking forward to. Although the casual fans, the neutral fans, the ones who don't know much about what's going on, yeah, they might view it more as a rematch. But I, I wouldn't say you go, you have the same feeling as a rematch where your guy originally lost fair and square because I don't think Lewis lost fair and square. So we're going to take a quick break for an advert, but when we get back, we're going to talk more about F1 and its relationship to social media and where do Lewis fans go next. To help us, we'll be joined by Andre, a neutral fan from Portugal, and then we'll be speaking to The 44, a new initiative to share and promote fan-led work about Lewis Hamilton. Hi, Andre. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us, how long have you been a fan of F1? Do you support any particular team or driver? I've been a fan of Formula One for a long time, and I've I've known about the sport for a long time, but properly watching for about five to four, four to five years, because it's always been hard for me to find a a free a free way to watch the sports and that's what impeded me to to start watching uh, sooner i'm not I, I wouldn't say i'm a fan of any specific driver or team i i like to say that i'm a fan of the sport what did you think of abu dhabi bad luck or a big crime the mercedes was much faster and the Mercedes race pace was much better than the Red Bulls. So Max would have no chance in catching and even dreaming about overtaking Lewis under normal conditions. But late safety cars do happen and even Lewis Hamilton have, has benefited from, from this happening. Uh, for example, like Baku 2018 where he won the race um, because of a late safety car. So. It's definitely a part of the sport. It's something that happens. And I mean, the race isn't decided until the checkered flag. So it's part of the sport. The stewarding was questionable, of course, and questionable to say the least. Mercedes have said they aren't going to protest. Do you think that's the right thing for the sport? I think it's honestly the best decision they could have made. I know it made a lot of people angry and disappointed. But to be realistic, I don't really think Lewis would become an eight-time world champion because of the appeal. I don't think they would ever take the title away from Max. It also had made possible to, to close the season now 
and to have a, a definite winner and not drag the season on for months on end. So many people on social media have been sharing how upset they are. Can you understand that? Do you think people need to chill or is it more than just a race? Yes, I do feel, I do understand why people, why some people are angry and disappointed about what happened because they feel wrong and feel like what happened to Lewis was not fair. But in, in another aspect, they do need to chill because I've seen comments and I've seen people so angry about what happened and they, they got to say things that they shouldn't even think about death threats, hate comments and other things that are completely not justified. So those were some neutral fans we heard from. But what about Lewis fans online who are broken, like me? The people that call themselves Team LH. We got the opportunity to speak to Ari, Jordan, and Sarah from the 44 earlier this week. This was recorded before Mercedes announced their intention not to appeal. Otherwise, of course, we would have gotten into that with them. But let's just get into it and hear from them about who they are and what they do. Hi, I'm Ari. I'm the founder of The 44. In the daytime, when I'm not being the founder, I am an assistant skincare marketing manager for a brand called Roden and Fields. And I guess The 44 has become my full-time job at night. And I made The 44 because there has been so much negative backlash about Lewis Hamilton in the media. And I thought, why not create a platform to showcase everything positive about him and do it through the fans since they know him best. Hi, I'm Jordan. I've been a Formula One fan for quite a while. I joined the 44 as an editor um, because I've been following Lewis's career all the way and supporting him from the very start. I don't know what it was, but just part of me uh, connected with Lewis. I just wanted to follow him and I knew that deep down for some reason. And, you know, there's a feeling that I was watching something special about him. And from that point onwards, I was kind of hooked on Formula One. And since that point, I've been watching and defending aggressively Lewis. I'm Sarah. My day job is financial analyst. I work for the, like, the regulatory body of the financial market in my country. Uh, so I'm basically the FIA of the financial market. So uh, it's interesting, but my night job is a 44. I've been struggling with the way Lewis was portrayed in the media, especially for a person of color like me, the difference in standards. So every time I was like, why is he portrayed like that? And then like not so long after I met Ari and I just jumped on board on that exciting project. And here we are following actually Lewis brought me into the sport I was like oh there is that guy seven time world champion and I was like yeah yeah okay it was like that uh, wonder kid that prodigy and everyone was talking about him and it was like oh there is that young black guy who's like doing something and I was like from Fuji 2007 to date I've been defending him very aggressively obviously you you have a large presence on twitter but this last year is the first year i've been 
engaging in social media as well. And so everything I thought I knew about Formula One, you know, like Jordan said, came from the free TV. What do you think about social media and how it helps and harms Formula One? And where do you see the role of the 44 within that giant mess that is Twitter? Social media has been really good for me because I started as a Drive to Survive follower. So I wanted to get on social media, I guess, into the F1 Twitter space to just learn more about it and just get a different perspective on how everything was, I guess, visualized through that series. And I think the negative thing about it is that Social media makes everyone more vulnerable. Everyone has a voice as well. Like, you know, you see Twitter warriors at the moment. As we've kind of made letters directed to Mercedes, directed to the FIA right now. And um, if you if you look through replies, there are people, I, I call them max sexuals, um, that have entered the conversation without us even mentioning them. So I think... You know, it, it can get crowded and not necessarily um, everyone has a professional opinion or something um, respectful to say in social media. So I guess that's uh, the bad balances out the good. For me, uh, social media was actually a way to engage with uh, people that share the same passion as, as me because I didn't have anyone around me who was into Formula One. It took me years to convert my sister uh, because she's also a contributor for the 44. Uh, but like the first Grand Prix we attended together was 2019. And I've been following the sport since 2007. So it took me uh, like <laughs> a lot of years talking to them about, oh, Formula One, this is great. Like you should, you should watch, you should get interested into it, but no one would want to. So I was basically alone. And then Twitter was that platform where I got to connect with other people with the same interest. Like when I joined Twitter, I realized uh, the flack Lewis was receiving and I kind of became very defensive when it comes to Lewis. So people sometimes say, oh, toxic fans oh this fan base is toxic and that other fan base is like better but to me there is no such thing as uh, a toxic fan base or a better fan base because a fan being a fan means that you are completely subjective we are biased but we we try to be biased in a way uh, that's constructive in a way that is positive I've been on F1 Twitter for a long time now, um, probably eight years or so. First joined, I think, with the Rosberg-Hamilton fight in the at the start of Mercedes dominance. And it's incredible to see how much it's changed as a platform because back then it was much smaller. Formula One were not using it themselves. Like we were still under Benny Eccleston, who hated social media. What, what it, it was still very tribal back then, and everyone had a side, Hamilton or Rosberg. But it was a lot more civil, I felt. And I think... As the volume of people on the platform has increased, um, it's kind of got more and more tribal. And then you've got stands coming on and then and the Drive Survive fans. And, you know, that's created another area where people keep making controversy. I think the good thing about the 44 is it's a platform for everyone um, where we can be 
biased in a way where the backlash you're going to receive uh, isn't going to be the same um, because I think the problem is people can't really express any sort of opinion backing their driver now without um, having a ton of people disagreeing and often toxically and aggressively. So I, I, I've got two Twitter accounts, the, the Slow Pit Stop one that's just brand new and then my own one. And I see how easy it is to make a meme or make a joke or something. And you've either suddenly get this huge backlash of people that misunderstand or what's worse and what I feel really guilty about sometimes is sometimes someone will say something stupid and then I'll like quote tweet it and make a joke about it or whatever. And the next day I realize actually I've accidentally joined a massive pylon. What do you think is happening right now that is making everybody so tribal online? Um, well, I'd say obviously first it's a, a highly competitive sport. So people's emotions inevitably run high. Like I've definitely learned myself that after a race where it's not gone well for Lewis or Mercedes, I do have to take a step back sometimes and calm down. I think there's a lot of people who are still like highly emotional, using it as a platform to kind of vent their anger. It's the way you relate. Like when you care about someone, you want them to do well. And you 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 see the highs and the lows. And for us that have been watching him since a long time, you come to like feel close to that person as if he's like a member of your family. So when they stayed safety car in, goodness, I sat on the floor. I couldn't believe it. So for me, sport is kind of like, it's, it's all about the uh, elation you feel when, when you see something big happen. Like, for example, Lewis's Brazil win was absolutely unbelievable. Like, you're on a high that... Um, yeah, only... the whole week. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Not just the day, the, the rest of the week is set yeah, up. Yeah, it. exactly. And, and, and it's about that. It's about making people's week because, you know, you've had a tough week. You go and sit down and watch the Grand Prix. You see Lewis win and suddenly your spirits are lifted. Uh, and you want to experience it again and again. It's kind of like a, a drug almost. So yeah, that that's kind of why I think um, people get so emotionally involved with it. The more I look online, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be in different camps almost, and just what what is the right way for Lewis to go forward? And I can see arguments on both sides. People saying for the good of the sport. Mercedes should let it go and other people saying no no for the good of the sport Mercedes can't let this go because they need to help improve the sport uh, I'm almost convinced there's not even a right answer to this but Jordan you've written a great piece uh, which we'll also link below trying to to dissect what's happened and and how we move forward could you just give us your views quickly on on, on what you think Lewis should do and as fans what can we do um, so in terms of what Lewis should do uh, I think he should absolutely push the team to to move forward with the appeal now obviously there's been rumors that he doesn't want it to go ahead but those were pretty much immediately after the race so I don't know how much we can read into them but for me um I don't I don't think Lewis will I, I can't read pretend to know his mindset but I don't think he'll want to win the title in a courtroom I don't think he'll care or or see it ever the same again if he does get the title in the courtroom but I think it's about um it's 100 about the proving that it was stolen from him because you know that that's what i think people want they want some kind of closure that confirms ultimately 
we're not going insane here. And what what we saw was completely wrong. Um, so I, I think Mercedes need to do it uh, and proceed with the appeal um, on the grounds of, you know, even if they can't go further, just seeing what the FIA do in the international court to um, try and defend themselves. Because honestly, their arguments from, from what I've seen are, are really flimsy. So, um, you know... Any doesn't equal all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the any doesn't equal all um, argument from Red Bull was, was crazy. I think that one, uh, Michael Massey shut that one down himself. There was an article that I read about how Michael Massey has come up a, a long way through to to the position that he's in now. Charlie Whiting, it took him a long time to develop uh, and get that respect that he had, and he built a team around him. Do we need to be patient with Massey and allow him to build a team around him? Was this an error? Or as your article says, is the only way to move forward if he well, resigns? Well, my understanding is, um, well, I know for a fact he's been in this position since 2019 and he's had plenty of time now in my opinion to build a team around him if he needs it the kind of like vibe i get from his attitude on the radio and things is someone who's um thinks he's above uh needing that um he's very stubborn the way michael massey comes across on the radio no- nothing i see or hear from him gives me any confidence i think things have got worse and worse as seasons have gone by, things have kind of boiled over in these last four races with, with Saudi and all that, and then on to Abu Dhabi. And it just seems to be getting worse, not better. The, the teams know now that they can walk all over him, and you can hear that on the radio. Um, I, I just wanted to, I guess, uh, whilst I have this airtime, just highlight how vibrant the Team LH community is. Uh, when I first started this project, I had no idea. Um, when I, you know, called out to people to contribute what I would get. Um, and it's the feedback has just been so amazing. And the amount of people that do this just based on passion and what they produce is excellent. Their passion is just beyond anything I've seen before. If people want to engage with the 44, how do we find you online? So if you want to find us online, we are v-44.org. And then on social media, we are underscore v44 on Twitter. And on Instagram, it's underscore v44. So thanks again to the 44 for joining us earlier this week for a chat. It is amazing to me what social media can do and how it can bring people together. Ari was in Australia, Jordan was in the UK, and Sarah is in Gabon. But they're all able to come together, share their passion, enhance the joy that they get from it. And it's nice to know there is a dedicated and organized online Lewis Hamilton fan base because coming from a K-pop background, we already have that over there. We need that in, in Formula One. But something I just wanted to touch on, Jordan mentioned about how when Lewis wins, it makes you feel good as a fan. Why do fans feel so strongly about their passions? Sarah spoke about there being no such thing as a toxic fan, which I fully agree with. So should we as fans get angry about the result? Is it just cars going round and round and round in circles? You know, there's many other issues in the world that we could be putting our time and energy into, many other injustices that actually affect people's lives a lot more. Well, why is this 
so difficult for us to take. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot, especially in the like 48 hours or so after the race ended. I was really trying to understand why I was so bothered by it. And it's because you put so much emotional investment into this. Like, you know, people invest their money, they invest their time. But we put so much of our emotion into this. Literally, every race, we're looking forward to it. Everything. We're trying to we're trying to break down the track. Is it a Red Bull track? Is it a Mercedes track? So we do have some investment into this. And then, of course, when things go our way or don't go our way, it's going to affect us. And I think it's completely fine to people for people to care about things that don't ultimately matter to the rest of the world. I think that's totally okay. Because ultimately, we don't matter to the rest. Like, if something happens to me tomorrow, it's not going to change the way the world works overall. So I think it's totally fine. I I would, yeah, thank you. That makes me feel happy. But, (laughs) yeah, I I think it's totally fine to to get passionate about sports. I I think people who don't say that are losers. But you mentioned earlier about K-pop. And, you know, they have a huge and passionate fandom. And... You know what, what? What things from there apply to what's going on with Lewis just now? Uh, and I think one thing fans are really struggling with is that Lewis has remained silent on social media. Yeah, so that's the kind of the thing I was thinking about. A lot of times, as fans, you can let the person that you know, your whoever you're following, you let their emotions guide your emotions. If that person is happy, then you're like, you know what, I'm happy. If they're angry, then you are like, yeah, I'm still angry. Well, Lewis has gone silent. As of the recording of this episode, he's still silent. We don't know his opinion. We don't know how he feels. And that is really hard. So I sat down with uh, Asma, who is one of the co-hosts of Who's Your Bias, a podcast about Korean media and K-pop. And I just asked her, like, you know, when things like this happen in K-pop, how does she react? How do fans there react? In Korean media and stuff, this happens a lot. This happens so often (laughs) where, like, you feel like everything and the world is out to get your idol. So this happens a lot. And I feel like in those situations, fans tend to just try and see how the person that they care about. So in this situation, it would be Lewis Hamilton. But just uh, see how they're reacting to it all. In some situations, if you know how they are reacting if you know that that they're like happy and okay with the decision then you can be happy and okay and or if you know that they're upset with it then you can allow yourself to be upset some situations you don't know how they feel and i think those are probably the hardest times prob- which is why a lot of lewis fans are feeling that way now because they don't know how he feels and even if you find out later that Lewis or the idol or whatever wasn't angry I mean you can change your opinion then but I still allow myself to be angry a little bit and even if I don't do anything about the anger like no more hashtags no more sending emails and all that I still allow myself to feel angry like oftentimes like uh, something will happen with the company you know the company didn't let Baekhyun uh make his own music for his first album he like went to them with his own music and they said no and they made him use like the music that they made uh he said oh it's okay it's fine i i realized that i needed to spend more time um like working on my singing or something and not working on making music even though that's his job but like i was still upset about it and so while publicly you know, trying to attack his company anymore. 
we're still upset at this company for doing that. And I think that's what I would say in regards to this whole thing. Is regardless of how he feels, you got to let yourself still be angry, even if, even if you don't publicly do something about it. Thank you to Asma for joining us this week. I think Lewis being silent is difficult. There's dimensions to it. On the one hand, you know, it makes me think about Michael Schumacher and how private his family has become. And there's fans that love him and they almost feel like it's strange that they've spent their whole lives loving him and they don't really know what's going on with him. But actually, as fans, we don't have a right to that person. And if this is what Lewis needs to do and to be silent and to take time with his own friends and family, then we have to respect that. Another dimension to it that's a little bit difficult, you know, I saw a tweet from Athena, who's at Tarmac Talk on Twitter. And this was in response to Mario Andretti praising Lewis for his behavior after he lost uh, and just being so magnanimous. Uh, Athena says, the complexities that Lewis has to face as a black man in F1 means that he doesn't get the privilege of expressing his feelings like others. Being rewarded for that silence isn't good. Words like behave or dog whistles. I don't know. I think it's a, it's a difficult situation and we just have to give him space and time and let him process what's happened. And if he wants to be with his friends and family right now and not talk to us, that's fine. I think that's totally fine. As a fan, I'm fully ready to say that. The only thing is when there's silence... Like all kinds of rumors come about in silence. That's how yeah, we have like this whole retiring and exactly, all sorts. exactly. And so it gets hard as a fan then to separate the rumor from the fact. But I just want to know how Lewis is feeling to know if he's okay because yeah. it, it's a, it is a little anxiety-inducing when you see yeah, rumors exactly. of retirement. Yeah. You're like, no, surely not. But then the silent lets exactly. you fill your head with. Yeah, maybe with, there with will the be a retirement. Theories. You know, yeah, so. maybe we should start our own rumor. Lewis Hamilton quit from Formula One to join Slow Pit Stop as third host. Oh. <laughs> Why'd you get my hopes up? <laughs> yeah, that'd be something. But some someone who has broken their silence was Mercedes, who, who went silent for a little bit after they announced their intention to appeal the decision that the stewards had made. And just before the FIA prize-giving gala, they said that they were going to drop it and let it go. What do we think about this? Have you read the article that came out yesterday from a Portuguese outlet about they interviewed somebody in Mercedes? Did you read that article or no? But no, no, I've not read it. Tell me about it. So yeah, it was actually really interesting. Um, basically, it was somebody who works high up in Mercedes and he spoke under anonymity. And he said that um, he, he broke down a lot of things from that weekend. When it came down to the appeal, every single decision Mercedes made was made in lockstep with Lewis Hamilton. None of it was made while disregarding his emotions. It was all made with him in mind, which makes me feel a lot better. Uh, he was also saying that they, when they met with their lawyers, it was a big meeting. You know, Lewis was there, Toto was there, Daimler was there, Ineos was there, and the lawyers were there, and the rest of the you know Mercedes high ups were there. And the lawyers basically said, "If we take this to civil court, we will win. We will not win in the FIA." International Court of Appeals, but if we go to civil court, we will win, but it will be so revolutionary. It will be so unprecedented if we were to take the championship back this way that most likely we will be asked to leave all FIA motorsport, including Formula One, forever. It would be like a self-imposed exile that we will not be able to return to the motorsport. So with that said, all three major shareholders, Mercedes, Toto Wolf, and, and Ineos, 
all took 24 hours to think about it. And when they all came back, they were unanimous that we'll take, we won't do, go forward with the appeal, but we will, and, and we'll just try to win this back in a couple next couple of years. It makes me feel a little better to know. Yeah, and I think it's because the FI doesn't recognize normal civil courts. The mm-hmm. FIA's appeal process goes to its own FIA court. Yeah. And the International Court of Arbitration only gets involved in doping issues, which obviously this isn't. So Mercedes would be going to the FIA's own court. The FIA would say, oh, we've thought about it. Actually, we didn't make a mistake. And then Mercedes don't have an avenue to go to the civil court. So they were just in a, in a, a big lose-lose situation. And it just highlights some of the, the huge governance issues in Formula One. Yeah. It's never. There's never been something that's gone to the court of appeals that's overturned a large decision. It just doesn't happen, and it does. Like you said, it definitely highlights the way it is, where you know something from overhead, from from up top, can come down, some decision, and that's final. And there's no way for teams to really ever fight that, and it's very frustrating. I think. Um, yeah. What's even more annoying is there's people like us that you know read read articles on the internet or whatever and it seems to be strange to us what's going on we couldn't understand the stewarding decisions and things but drivers that are driving on the track don't understand what's going on you know russell straight away as the race ended this is unacceptable and caps lock signs you listen to the radio and he said this is wrong uh, ricardo said well, what was it? this is effed up i'm glad we weren't part of that yeah uh, and norris at the end said you know it's not for me to say what was right or wrong but I don't know what happened there. So the, yeah. the drivers are confused and it's just it's just a big mess. And I think the entire, you know, you were mentioning earlier about the Mercedes fans, that they, they're going back for redemption and they want to win that eighth thing, but it's not quite like a rematch because in a rematch, you know, the boxing rules are going to be fair. Yeah. Whereas the Mercedes fans do not have confidence in the rules at this time. It's so hard to, to describe this to other fans of other sports you literally have to tell them that the rules were changed in this moment. I think, but even people that are not fans of Formula One, this resonates with them in different ways. A lot of people feel that injustice in their daily life. And when something happens on TV, whether it's a drama or sport or whatever, that can be quite triggering to your own Mm. memories and experience because we all experience things where we feel is unfair. And I think this, you know, you're empathetic to what's going on on the TV because of your own your own feelings. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. And I think that's why a lot of African-American people of color, not just African-American, just black people in general who support Lewis Hamilton have been triggered these past few weeks. You can feel the pain in the way they talk. Um, and it's because I think a lot of them are being reminded of situations and instances where they should have succeeded, but the rules were changed in front of them. And yeah, it's, Something Lewis has been fighting from the start. And obviously for Muhammad and I, we're not black. So it's not an experience we have lived. And so Mm -hmm. it's not one that we can fully understand. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage people, there's loads of great resources out there and just go and listen to people's stories. Obviously, you know, we're not white. We'll have experienced racism and things like that as well. But people have suffered so many injustices in their own life that seeing something on TV, like I said, is... It has a stronger emotional feel. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would encourage people to go out there, listen, read as much as you can, 
the resources which Lewis Hamilton himself has previously highlighted, mm. the reasons for which he takes the knee. I think we can all do a bit better to yeah. educate ourselves. You know, also about the... 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, you know what the 40, what they were saying earlier about they don't think there are toxic fans. I actually agree with that. You know, like all these people come out and say Lewis Hamilton fans are attacking, you know, they're, they're so toxic. There's bad fans on both sides. I don't know. I, I feel very justified in the way Lewis Hamilton fans are acting because they've have actually been, you know, traumatized. They've actually had an injustice against them. One of the things that I wanted to end on was just as a race had ended, you text me to say, everything has been for nothing. And I don't think that's true. I think there are a lot of positives that we can take away. No one can take away the 100 races that Lewis has won, the record-breaking win at Silverstone, the amazing race in Brazil, which is one of my favourites of all time. And the legend and legacy of Lewis Hamilton will only become stronger because of this loss. I accept there is a context to how he behaves and people feel it is wrong that he is silent. Some even say it's petty. Others argue racism is silencing him. But the way he was magnanimous in defeat, his father went over to Max and Joss. Lewis went to the factory for Valtteri's goodbye. His character is shining through. We can't even begin to imagine how he is feeling. But he still comes across as a role model. And so he is, and always will be, a champion. Yeah, absolutely. And I cannot wait for next year for Lewis Hamilton to come out, dominate every race, and win back his eight championship. And we hope all of you listeners will be with us through the ride. Thank you, everyone, for sticking with us through our first season. Uh, this has been Mohammed and Arfat, and this is Slow Pit Stop. This has been a production for Not That Good Media.